wholeheartedly. He has unimpeachable integrity. Who he was on Monday is who he was on Sunday. This is who Noah is. He, he's always this person. This is how he lives his life. He follows God with everything he's got. If we wanted to put blameless in our own words, maybe that would be how we would phrase it. Follow God with everything you've got. You could say Noah loved God with his whole heart. There was no divided allegiance in Noah. He was all God's. All the time. Every day. In every decision, in every action, in every priority, in every thought, he was God's man. You're beginning to see who Noah is. We tell this story as a children's story, which boggles my mind because this is a horrible story. This is the most horrible story in all of Scripture, probably, where God is so upset with mankind that He wipes them off the planet, judges everyone because everyone's thoughts all the time were evil continually, except this one guy. We're not even told his family's relationship with God. We're not told they're blameless. We're not told that they're wholeheartedly following God. What are we told about them? Well, they're saved because Noah was a good man. Interesting, right? So he's got a good reputation with the people around him, even though these people would have hurled stones in his direction at every opportunity. He never threw them back. He's got a good reputation with his people. He's also got a good reputation with God. When God looks at this guy, he says something very much like what he would say with Job. I'm proud of you. You're a good man, upright, blameless. You're perfect. Not sinless, but perfect. Mature. Your priorities are right. Your decisions are right. You, you consult me and you think about how your decisions and your life and your actions are going to affect your relationship with me. And that's, that's what I care about. So he's righteous. He's blameless. But he does so in his generation. You're going to want to underline generation too because it implies that he's the only one doing this. He's the only one living like this. So you put Noah over here on this side of the world. Literally every other person that's alive during those 500 years that Noah is alive before the flood is on this side of the equation. They are all against God all the time in every way. In every way imaginable, they are against him. And there stands Noah by himself for 500 years. Walking righteously and blamelessly with God. Can you imagine what that would have been like? I can't imagine what that would be like for a year, a month. How lonely he had to have been. How steadfast and deep this guy's faith had to have ran. Because every other example around him 
is just yelling at him to follow the crowd. That's the easy thing to do, right? But if you want to live well in a world going wrong, you can't follow the crowd. In fact, Jesus would say, if you follow the crowd, you follow them to destruction, right? Because wide is the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. Noah, Noah was dead set on following God despite what everyone else in his world was, was saying and how they were living. Let me show you a little bit about their world too. Genesis 6, 11 through 13. He says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. You're beginning to see how our world bears some resemblance to that of Noah's. It's corrupt all the time. Corrupt here means that uh, the people had already made a pretty good start on destroying creation. They had already found a way to, to degrade it, to, to take advantage of it. And God decides to finish the job. Violence here means cold-blooded. This is what... Um, this uh, lexicon says about this word violence. It says, cold-blooded and unscrupulous infringement of the personal rights of others, motivated by greed and hate and often making use of physical violence and brutality. This is the darkest shade of human existence. These people are evil. Not only do they not care what God thinks, they're not, they're not even good moral people. They want to hurt others so that they can take advantage of them because of their greed or their malevolence, their hate. This is who this culture is. So if our culture bears any striking resemblance to Noah's, and it does, doesn't it? In um, terrifying ways, our world bears some resemblance to Noah's. His is worse, I, th I think, but ours is getting there, isn't it? So how do I live well in a world gone wrong? Well, I think we do what Noah did. We've got to recognize the condition, right? Noah is contrasted to the evil God saw in the world. He's on this side, and literally every other person on the planet is on that side. It can't escape Noah's notice that he's living differently than everyone else. That tells us that Noah's made some decisions about the choices that he's going to make, doesn't it? He knew God's standard. And apparently that knowledge was open to everyone because they're held accountable for not living up to that standard. But Noah does. He, he, he does live up to that standard. He saw the condition of the world around him and made efforts to make sure he wasn't doing what they did, that he lived up to who God expected him to be. Sometimes to get out of a problem, we have to recognize that there's a problem, don't we? We have to recognize the the error, the issue. You have to hit rock bottom, I suppose. 
Noah's seen, though he hasn't experienced it himself, he's seen rock bottom in everyone around him. And he's noticed, like you've noticed, that sin never pays off in the end. He's got an awful lot of bad examples to learn from, doesn't he? So, so do we. And you can look around at your friends and family and your co-workers and people around you and you see sin always hurts. It always tears down. It, it never pays off. Living however you would want to live, living outside of God's standards or under God's standards, not living up to them, never pays off. There's only pain there. So we need to recognize the condition. Recognize our, the world, the condition our world is in. The next thing maybe we need to listen, we need to, to, to do to live well in a world gone wrong is to listen a lot. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but as you read through Genesis 6 uh, today in your studies, look for how many times Noah talks. Have you ever noticed that? How many words does Noah say in Genesis 6? Read through it today and come back tonight and tell me how many times Noah talks in Genesis 6, Genesis 7, Genesis 8. And Genesis 9. In Genesis 6 through 8, he doesn't say a single word. In Genesis 9, he finally talks. It's the only words we have of Noah. But he finally talks. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But he doesn't talk a lot. So, what's going on in Genesis 6 through 9 that the main character isn't talking? Let me let you in on a little side note here. Noah's not the main character. So who's doing the talking? God is. You go back through and you look at Genesis 6 through 9. God's telling him how to build the ark. What's it going to look like? How big is it going to be? Noah, I, I hope he's a carpenter. <laughs> I hope he's handy with tools before all this happens. But if he's not, God's giving him the blueprints here. This is how you build it. And Noah doesn't say a word. I don't know if, he, if you were able to, to watch this scenario happen. Go back in time and, and watch Noah and God speaking. If Noah actually said things, but he's never recorded as saying not a single word in Genesis 6 through 8. He's listening all the time. If you're going to listen well, or if you're going to live well in a world gone wrong, you're going to have to do an awful lot of listening. And you can't listen to the world you got to do an awful lot more listening to him, right? Noah's just looking for instructions. There's destruction and condemnation coming. How do I avoid that? And God says, well, I'm going to tell you. You're going to have to build this thing called an ark. Okay, what's that look like? Well, I'm going to tell you what it looks like. Stop talking long enough so I can tell you how to save yourself or how I'm going to save you. And he does. Noah never says a word. Sometimes we talk too much and we don't listen enough. In a world gone wrong, if you're going to live well in that type of world, you're going to have to seep 
your, steep yourself in Scripture. If you don't, the world's going to steep you in it. Like a coffee bag in, in, in a, a cup of coffee. It's going to soak into you. When I was a kid, I know you remember this too, uh, but when I was a kid, we would walk into grocery stores and on the, as you're checking out, there were, there were those magazines that have um, promiscuous pictures on them, I suppose you can put it like that, um, lewd pictures. And you remember what, those things were covered 20 years ago, weren't they? They had that opaque little plastic sheet that were there. You go into a grocery store now and that little plastic sheet's gone. Have you noticed that? Back in 1939, I think, uh, Gone with the Wind came out. And it was the first movie that had um, a use of profanity in it. One word toward the end. And when it was published, when, when the movie came out, um, the producer paid an extraordinary fine. Uh, I think it would be like the equivalent of $100,000 today. He paid that fine so that they could get that word in there. Um, but today... You go home and turn on your TV after you read Genesis 6 through 9. <laughs> turn on your TV and pick any channel you normally listen to or, or whatever show you normally watch and just count how many uses of profanity they, they have. You won't be able to find a show. I can almost guarantee it. We struggle to find kids' TV that our kids can watch. They don't have something that I don't want my kids to see or hear on it beginning to see how the world will seep into you? Yes, it will. You remember watching I Love Lucy? Uh, in, in the few shows when Lucy and Desi would go to bed, they didn't sleep in the same bed, did they? They were married in real life. <laughs> they didn't sleep in the same bed on the TV show. They slept in separate beds. Today, after you watch the show and you count for profanity, after you read Genesis 6 through 9, go to a different show and see how many examples of sexual immorality you'll find. You're hard-pressed to not find one show where married people are living in, or sleeping in the same bed. Scripturally married people are living in the same bed. The world is seeping into us, and we've got to fight back. And the only way to fight back is to listen a whole lot more to him than we do to them. Right? We've got to be steeped in his word. We've got to listen a whole lot. If we want to live well in a world gone wrong, we have to listen a whole lot more to him than we do to them. Because they're happy to convince you go along just like they've gone along. But that path leads to destruction. you got to listen to him a whole lot more than you listen to them. The next thing, don't give up so easy. Don't give up so easy. Um, know from implied in Scripture, preached for 120 years. The passage that James read for us this morning from 2 Peter 2, 4 and 5, 
calls Noah a, a preacher of righteousness, right? James 6, or excuse me, Genesis 6, tells us that he had 120 years. God, God told him 120 years before the flood happened, hey, this is what's going to happen. So he's got some time to build this boat that he doesn't know how to build, but he's got the blueprints for it because he's been listening. What is he doing for those 120 years? Genesis tells us that he builds the boat like he should have. Peter tells us that he was preaching too. The word he uses there is a herald. He's an ambassador. He's representing God to his people. For 120 years, Noah is not only building the boat, that's his side job. His main gig is to represent God to the people around him who don't care anything about what God would have them, how he would have them to live or think or be, who he wants them to be. But that's what Noah does for 120 years, does, calls people back to repentance. He, he says, this is God's standard and you, you're falling short of it and you're breaking his heart and condemnation is coming, judgment's coming and you just, it doesn't have to be like this. You can, you can pull yourself out of for 120 years, does that. We give up too easy, don't we? We give up too easy on ourselves. Just like Noah, we're human, and we sin, right? And often, if you're like me, you'll let yourself off the hook a little too easy for that sin. Think, well, I'll do better next time. Try, try harder next time, right? But then you fall back into it. We let ourselves off the hook a little too easy, don't we? We should hold ourselves a little bit more accountable. Surround ourselves with people who know our struggles and are willing to help us. To hold ourselves accountable for who God would have us to be. Don't give up so easy on yourself. Hold yourself to a high standard. No matter how well you think you're doing, there's room for improvement, right? Don't give up so easy on yourself. Hold your feet to the flame a little bit. Read through scripture. See who he would have you to be and see that you're not there yet. And that you can do better. That you should do better. But also don't give up so easy on the people around you. We give up on people around us who don't want to hear I don't know how far Noah traveled in his preaching. I bet it took a while to build the boat. So I bet he didn't travel too far for that 120 years. I bet he traveled into town because he's going to have to have a good space to build this ark. It's massive. So he would have had to, to have a lot of land. He's not living in the city building this boat. So I think I envision him running out of lumber or running out of hammers or whatever and having to go into town and when he went there what did he do well, he bought whatever he needed but he's also representing God to the people around him not just with his life right sometimes we hear hey, you're the only Bible some people will see it's true right you got to use words though it, it's not enough just to <coughs> just to show them a, a model that's good. It's a good start. But you got to use words. <coughs> Sometimes 
when we use those words, people throw them back at us, don't they? You think they ever happened to Noah? You think they ever threw his words back at him? Called to his mind a, a previous sin that he had done? Or who made you a judge or lord over us? Why do you condemn me? Judge not, right? Hadn't been written yet, but I'm sure they threw it out at him. We give up on people easy because they throw it back in our faces. Don't give up on people so easy. Why did Noah keep talking to these people that had thrown it back in his face time and time again? Because they were still there. And he was still there. So he's calling them back. Every opportunity he gets, he's calling them back. Why? Well, another word of Peter's comes to mind, doesn't it? God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's heart. And if we're going to be people who are blameless and righteous in our generation, that's going to be our heart too. Don't give up so easy on people. Don't give up so easy on yourself. Listen, a whole lot. Not to the world, but to God. Allow His mind, his thoughts, his, his priorities, his way of living to seep down into your being, to change who you are. <coughs> and then recognize the condition and then refuse to go along with it. Hold yourself to a higher standard because that's the standard God's holding you to. Today, if you've realized that you've fallen short of that standard, we would love to pray for you that you can be pleasing to God, that you can be blameless, not perfect, but whatever God looks for in man can be in you just like it was in Noah. Today, if you're struggling, we want to pray for you that that can be the case. If you have yet to be baptized, to have your sins washed away, what are you waiting on? Judgment's coming. We don't know when, but we know it's coming. Just as sure as in the days of Noah, it's coming for us. So who will you be when it comes? Will you be righteous and blameless? Thanks to the blood of Christ washing away your sins? Or will you be you? Riddled with sin. Doesn't have to be the case. Much like the people in Noah's day, you can have those sins absolved today. If you have any need this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing?
Good morning, church family. If you're visiting with us, we are glad you decided to worship with us this morning. If you can take a moment to fill out a visitor card in front of you and place it in the black box, we're glad to have a record of your attendance. A couple announcements before we are dismissed. Uh, life group news. Uh, life group forward, that's Jerry's life group. We're meeting up front after services uh, this morning. So meet up front uh, after services this morning and discuss future plans. Also, Life Group 3, that's Jeremy's Life Group, will have soup and sandwiches in the middle auditorium after services this morning. And uh, as Jeremy mentioned that the, that the deacons and elders meeting has been postponed. Um, it's scheduled for a later date. Uh, this Friday is the Nerf battle here at the building at 6 p.m. And this is for all ages. And also next Sunday, if you have a child that's in preschool or the 12th grade, the youth committee would like to meet up front uh, for a quick meeting to, dis uh, to discuss future plans uh, for the 2024 calendar year. Also, Friday, I'm sorry, Saturday is the annual uh, chili cook-off at 2 o'clock. Um, and if you can help out with uh, CYC snacks, there's a sign-up sheet on the foyer board uh, for you to sign up for help with snacks on that. And also, uh, two of our uh, Kids from Rome are planning on going on mission trips. That's Blake and Mally. Uh, they're planning on going on mission trips with Harding University. If you can help out with funds with that, uh, please see me or Mike. Updates on the prayer list. Remember, continue to keep Jimmy Wilgus and Jackie Hutchison in your prayers at this time as they continue with their cancer treatments. Keep Jim Martin in your prayers. Uh, he's getting over COVID at this time, uh, so keep him in your prayers as he's... Uh, getting over COVID and has continued with his cancer treatments. Uh, Mary continue to keep Friday Simpson in your prayers as well and uh, her health. Keep Roger Kaufman in your prayers as well. Uh, he's not doing well. Uh, he still remains in the hospital. So keep him in your prayers and uh, the Kaufman family at this time. And also keep the Farrell family, uh, Ashley and John Farrell. Uh, they have a uh, young child um, with Down syndrome that has two holes uh, in her heart. Uh, she's an infant. And um, uh, so keep that family in your prayers as they uh, do surgery um, on, on that little baby. So uh, keep them in your prayers at this time. That's all the announcements I have. Looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 6 o'clock. And if, yes. Okay, we're going to postpone the ladies' class um, on Monday morning. Right. Uh, that's all the announcements I have at this time. Looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 6 o'clock. And if you need a ride to church, um, if you're watching online and you still need a ride to church tonight, please uh, let us know. Uh, we'll make arrangements to, uh, to pick you up to bring you tonight at 6. Thank you. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn, hymn number 291. I know not why God's wondrous grace. We'll sing the first and third verse, and then Brother Gary Leap will lead us in prayer. I know
with me please Father in heaven we come to you again thanking you for this day and for the opportunity that we've had together here Father and, and, and hear another good lesson from your word and, and Father we're thankful for Chris and, and uh, for the work that he does with this congregation we pray you'll continue to bless him and his family and, and be with David and Mandy Father and bless their family and and Father, for those who was mentioned here this morning, we, we pray that uh, that you will be with those and bless and comfort them. And, and Father, we ask that you'll be with Roger Kaufman and bless him, Father, and his family. He spent many years preaching uh, the gospel, Father, and teaching. We just ask that you a special blessing for him and and for Jim Martin, Father, be with him that he'll get better and. And he's also, uh, he preached, Father, and he's taught. And, and we're thankful for men like this, Father, that shares your word. And, and we're thankful for the lesson we've heard this morning. We pray you'll help us to be, uh, be like Noah, Father, be obedient. And, and Father, help us to just sometimes just listen, Father. We ask that you'll be with us this week. Uh, help us, Father, to, uh, to let our light shine in this community and and Father, to, to think of others, thank you for your blessings and for what you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 